If you haven't checked out the strategy where people are using their HELOCs to use simple interests as opposed to amateurized interests, go and check this strategy out at simplepassivecashflow.com slash HELOC to learn more. Now, fair warning, it works and it pays down your mortgage in a fraction of the time. But paying down debt is not aligned with financial freedom. And I think when you guys check out the webinar that we have in there, Make sure you listen to the very end because it'll be my disclaimer. I think instead of paying down your mortgage, your debt, take that money and go invest it. And you can probably grow it three or four times than paying down your debt. But hey, look, it's a start for some people. But go check that out, simplepassivecashflow.com slash HELOC. A little personal here, I just had a little bad dream the other day. found myself in the office of the place that I started working. It was my first employer. Let's just say I call it a Fortune 200 company. And I, I think I talk a lot about a lot. It wasn't a fun place to work. It was a very conservative company and things were very high stress there. I had a dream where I did not have a desk and there are a lot of younger people working around there. Maybe I feel like I'm getting old but I woke up in a cold sweat and thankfully I didn't have to go to that job when I woke up for real. But anyway, on this podcast, we're going to be talking with a newer investor who is looking to pick up their first turnkey rental property. Now, this person has been in our group for quite a while and took a look at the turnkey rental guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. Wasn't able to get over the hump, so joined up with our incubator group and is on the path to getting that first rental property. And you're going to hear her story right now. But before we do, we are relaunching that incubator program. We started the incubator last year. It ran for five months. It's a five-month program where we have bi-weekly calls. You've got the peer group around you. We help you out with the Rolodex, who to work with. We pretty much walk you by the hand to get your first remote rental property. If you want to go through a turnkey provider, cool, we got them. If you want to go do it on your own and get a broker and property manager, we can help you find that person. Learn more by going to simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey and make sure you get on that list so that when we start it here this next month, you aren't left out. The last announcement here, if you're a high net worth passive investor and using a 401k or self-directed IRA, what the heck are you doing? Check out simplepassacashflow.com slash QRP, which is just another good tool out there, right? It may not be good in your situation, but go check it out. It avoids UDFI and UBIT tax, which hits you whenever there's leverage involved in a deal. Now on this page, once again, at simplepassivecashflow.com slash QRP, we're also going to have webinars on there on self-directed IRAs. You want to turn it Roth, that's cool too. And the QRP for you to make your own decision. Of course, if you're not in the foam, you don't get that personal touch and that group coaching environment. So take whatever you watch on that page with a grain of salt and good luck. But I really suggest you guys join up with our family office, Ohana Mastermind, and get the insider perspective on how to implement all these strategies. But anyway, join the show. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Passive Cash listeners. Today we are going to be talking to a non-accredited investor trying to get started. I've known this person for a couple of years now. She's actually helped me out with the, the syndication e-course a couple of years ago. If you guys haven't seen that, uh, check that out. But she's helping me put this together. 
and she's been trying to get her portfolio for some turnkeys herself. But yeah, Jennifer, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you fell into this world of simple passive cash flow? Hey, Wayne, thanks for having me. So yeah, I'm a management consultant and early on my first year of working full-time, I had discovered pretty early that I wanted to invest in real estate. And I, I started to just listen to some podcasts, which is where I came across Simple Passive cash flow, And I, I really fell in love with the thought of having just a passive income to just substitute for eventually my, my current income. Having gone through a lot of different like trial and errors between going for a turnkey property and then also just trying to invest locally. I'm, I'm currently in the New York area and I, I thought that I could get an investment property around the New York or New Jersey area and just going through that and realizing that the cash flow and, and all of that just wasn't there. I went back to turnkeys and just going through a lot of different types of providers and now I'm just at the state where I think the market is just so competitive that you'll eventually have to complete and uh, sign on a property within just a couple of hours. And you're really only able to back out of the deal if something comes up during the review process. So this is where I'm staying between like trying to look for a turnkey property, going into maybe a different market. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to just hear your thoughts, Wayne. Yeah. So a lot of people that are listening, they're either just getting started in your shoes or they're older and they maybe have kids our age and they want to maybe give them a little bit of insight of what it's like working as a six-figure person in New York. Is it all sex in the city and dinner parties <laughs> and where John Legend shows up and plays the piano? What's it really like? How are the hours like? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good question because... I think that had a lot to do with the reason why I wanted to do this passively because the hours are rough. Like I would say in my first year, I was working a solid like 80, 90 hours a week. It's gotten better over the past few years, but not substantially. I'll so like what time do you show up? Like you work banker's hours, like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or? It, so I'll show up between eight or nine. And then I'll usually be there till 10 or 11. Like, what do you all do? Like at five, six o'clock, do you guys get dinner or like? Yeah, we order food. Yeah, it's nice when there's like an expense budget and all of that stuff. But I think uh, you end up seeing like your teammates much more than in your family. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So for all that, you get paid about a little over a hundred grand a year. Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about the bigger personal finance situation, like you were living on Manhattan for a while and then you moved back in with parents. Talk to us about that decision process. Yeah, yeah. So I think with those hours, it's really hard not to live nearby the office unless, of course, you're like traveling. And my first year, I thought I would just travel like Monday through Thursday and then just be around on the weekends. But I think I quickly realized that a lot of my projects were actually local so I needed to get a place in the city. So I previously I was paying a good amount of money in rent. And I think ever since the pandemic started, I felt like I should just go home and, and save that since now we're all working remotely. Okay. And then what were you paying for rent originally? So I had a deal where it was like 1400 a month. So it's considered like pretty good for New York standards. Yes, it was definitely like a closet, but yeah. So overall net worth under $200,000, 
Jennifer here was not born with money with like a lot of us. I think most of us listening, if you're even listening to a podcast, I think we could probably safely say that you are not born with money. You're here to learn and grow your net worth. And I call all us first generation wealth. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So you decided to move back in with your parents to pocket that money and put it to investments, which is cool. Those are the hard decisions, right? I think some other people are like, they do that house hacking thing, but I just think that's a little ghetto, right? Who wants to live with their tenants? It would cramp my style. Yeah. Yeah. I like considered it going to New Jersey, but even then it just wasn't really working out the numbers. Ooh, I've never been to New Jersey, but I just hear it on all the sitcoms. I want to be in New Jersey. Okay. We connected maybe a couple years ago and you started, okay. I got this video here. I'm going to tease you a little bit. This is the Dave Castro best deadlift ever. This reminds me of when you were trying to do your first turnkey rental. So if you guys can't see on the podcast form, you have Dave Castro, the CrossFit games guy. He's doing this deadlift and he's struggling with it for like over 30 seconds. This totally reminds me of your struggle with the turnkeys and we'll give it to him. But anyway, take us back to when you first started, where did you go down? And then maybe some people don't make the same mistakes that you did. Yes. Yeah. So I would say like the mistakes that I've made were, I would say the first two years, I was just fearful and I definitely went into analysis paralysis mode. I analyzed so many different markets, just talked to a lot of different providers. And at the end of it, I just didn't feel like I could even make a real decision. And I was just like fearful of this like long distance investing. And then I decided to switch up strategies, which ended up stalling more time of, oh, let me just look nearby New York and New Jersey to try to I don't know, like buy a fixer upper and then renting it. <laughs> I remember that. I think that was like 18 months ago. And I was like, all right, I won't probably won't hear about you again. But that's just how I am as like a mentor. You guys have to make the mistakes and yeah. take the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think quickly after that, I realized I know nothing about fixing anything up. So I would have to contract everything out. And it was just like a project management nightmare if I really got into it. And the numbers aren't even like attractive. You're still negative every yeah. month. But didn't you see all the bigger pocket bros doing this, that burr <laughs> strategy? Like it's easy. Anybody can do it. That, that's what I thought until I realized it wasn't. Yeah, I think you can. I'm surely I think you can, but is it worth your time? You're not some dude making 30, 40 grand a year. You're working 80 hours a week. Yeah. And yeah. Even just commuting to New Jersey, I realized just was a little bit too much for me to go and see the properties. So I think it's just like indecision. I, I think it's important to come up with a good strategy upfront. And yeah, I think I know Lane, like you recently came up with a remote investor incubator. And I think having a group of people to bounce ideas off of and talk to and all that, I thought that was really helpful too, to kind of cement the ideas that, that you're thinking and beliefs and just like limiting beliefs and all of that kind of just clarifying and helping streamline. Just, it's just peer group, right? And using peer pressure to your advantage. <laughs> How many of us smoke cigarettes when you're in the circle of other people when you're a teenager. I didn't do that, but actually for the young people, they don't understand that because everybody knows cigarettes are bad for you and they don't want to do that. But we'll keep with the analogy, but in the incubator group, everybody's taking a dive into the lake and going remote and just doing it, doing a little bit of due diligence on the neighborhood 
and then just diving in with the right people that we've worked with in the past. We work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. We work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. I personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net worth has grown. However, the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least $50,000 to invest and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash ofund and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively the fund and investors like you pull their money together and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a 10% return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. But let's go to this, this other spreadsheet that you've put together here. So you also were another one of these people. And I usually tease the, the computer programmers who do this, but you have amazed me that you've put one of these things together yourself. So this is the infamous thing that a lot of people will do when they first get started, create this big spreadsheet of some bunch of formulas and data that they grab from God knows where and to figure out which city to invest in. So why don't you walk us through this? How do you use this? Where did you, okay. Where did you get the data from for all this stuff? Yeah, I got it from a mix between Google and like the labor statistic, like our government market site, and then another is city data. Okay. Citydata.com. Yeah. Good resource. Yeah. Little old data, especially if you're looking right now, since we're doing the census right now. But so for those of you guys listening on the podcast form, this is a pretty crazy spreadsheet with some good additional formatting that lights up green certain areas. I don't know why. But on the left side, we have the cities here. You just, this is just probably from hearsay, right? You're just hearing from other investors. You just put them on. We have 41 markets. Wow. These population 2000, 2018, you just manually grab this from the same data source. Yep. Okay. And then you figure out which is the, the increasing population areas. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's a kind of crazy spreadsheet. I guess the green is supposed to be like, oh, you know what? The numbers are looking good. Like you can consider this a good market. Yeah, super logical. I think it's great. You want to be looking for places where the population is going up and the, you have the median income is going up and medium house. This is actually pretty good data right here. This, if I were to make a new column for you, if you take the average or the medium household income and then go like 80% of it is usually the general rule of thumb. That's usually what you want to be looking for as your rental property. One thing that I take exception to this whole spreadsheet is like the markets on the left side. Some of them are big MSAs like Baltimore and then some are very small. Like Centerpoint is a submarket of Birmingham, right? Like Atlanta's humongous. 
Right? Houston is huge, humongous, three million population right there. It's you can't really compare it with a Port Charlotte, Florida, or Little Rock, Arkansas. Like these are more. You have some tertiary and, and secondary markets combined on here. But I understand what you're trying to do. But like Houston, for example, it's gone up thirty nine percent medium household income. But there's within Houston, there's probably dozens of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is a tertiary market that makes up the Eastern Pennsylvania. So just keep that in mind. Maybe if you were to separate the secondary and tertiary markets, then it'd be a little bit better. But yeah, I think in the incubator, I notice a lot of people will do something like this. And I usually have you guys go off on your own and waste your time doing something like this for a couple months. And then somewhere around a week, our fourth call, because we do bi-weekly calls, I'm like, all right, perfect. You guys have done your research. Now that was just all a waste of time. But it's cool. You guys know where to find the data so that when you do get the real data points and actually going and buying properties and you see how it operates, you can refer back to your original hypothesis and kind of correct yourself. So that's great. You put on crime here. I don't know. Crime is really subject. Crime is like block to block, some market to some market. And then job growth is good. I like that. Okay. No, I think what you exactly what you want to do. And then tell me how many hours were you spending on like in the first year of the struggle and the second year of the struggle, like how many hours were you going to this thing? Oh man. Stuff like uh, Between talking to property managers, turnkey providers, and just trying to do, do analysis and stuff, I would say, yeah, definitely like maybe three, four, three to four hours a week, take give and take a little bit per week. When did you do this? Like on the weekends or... On the weekends, yeah. When the days were particularly tough, I was just like, I need to do something find else. my passive income. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, you are probably the person who struggled with this the longest of everyone I've seen. I am amazed that you've stuck to this more than six months. Yeah. But hopefully, you make people feel good at home because I'm sure there's somebody listening that is just lurking and probably done the same thing. But as you saw, when you're in the incubator, we pulled you out of this in a couple of months, right? So you don't waste the time. And and that kind of goes to the bigger point, like bigger picture. Like you got to figure out what's your highest and best use. In this two-year period, you got promoted. We talked to us a little bit about that. And I think that really tipped the scales for you where you, what became your highest and best use. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, so... I think getting promoted, there's that pay bump. And I think that once you know a little bit more what you're doing, the hours aren't as terrible. You have some people helping you out and supporting you so you can disperse the work a little bit. So I think over time, the job itself became a little bit more bearable. But yeah, and I, I think that it was nice because after getting promoted, like after some time, I was able to come back home and, and save, which is like that additional income that I'm yeah. able to save. Yeah, so hopefully I can use that to put that to some good use. Yeah, because right after college, you're making what, like 70, 80 a year or something like that, which is not much in New York, but you're like minion status, which I think that's a sad thing. Like parents don't remember that time of their career, right? Their first five years where they just have to suck it up. I saw like a YouTube video of this. They call it the grind where you're working long hours and then you have to go to the grocery store to pick up your shitty lunch or dinner to eat by yourself. And it's raining and it's cold and you only get to go home, eat your, make your sandwich and you got to go to sleep because you got to wake up early and go to work again. Nobody teaches that part of 
life to you, that grind in the beginning. Yeah. Hopefully you feel like you're coming up for air now. They got you off that rookie contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a lot nicer and I completely agree. I thought getting a job was the end all be all and that was it and you live happily ever after. But Yeah, would you say that maybe this you're not the right person to ask, but do you feel like you're going to be promoted multiple times? I call this being red circled. Like in certain companies, they kind of circle you as the chosen one or someone that they'll push a couple rungs. I was never red circled, obviously. I was never special enough. But do you feel like that's in the cards for you or? I think that it's interesting because like my company, they have like promotion tracks for everyone. So typically you're promoted every three years. And if you excel super quickly, then you can do it in two years. And yeah, so it's almost like preset path. Okay. Okay. Which is great for training monkeys because you assume it a little bit. Yeah. 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 Cause so most of my cohorts that buy apartments and do this kind of stuff, we develop a mindset. If they're still working their day job, they've developed a mindset of they hide from promotions in a way, Mm -hmm. cause it Mm -hmm. takes away from their highest and best use, which is buying these investments. But are you getting that type of feeling? Maybe because you haven't started really investing in this stuff. So you've just seen that track launch, but where's your head at now? If you can only choose one path, right? Either you go for the promotion, you stay on that fast pass, mm-hmm. or do you think you're going to just lay low and do the sort of bare minimum and just invest passively, right? Like how, when I was thinking, why would I want to work 50% harder to get 10% more pay when mm-hmm. I could just buy a rental or two? and create that passive income for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm definitely with you. Eventually just thinking way into the future of potentially starting a family, like later on, all that stuff. That was my initial thought. I don't think I want to be doing this forever. So I totally agree. Like passively is what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm sure that there's some optimal set point where maybe you have to kick butt at a few more years or six years to get to that optimal point where you have the ideal management role or the highest pay, but least amount of work for that pay, or then you can kick it into cruise control. And then while investing passively, I think that's the mix. Everybody's a little bit different, but I think you'll find that. But for now, I would still keep working hard at your day job, but we got to fix this three, four hour a week passive and investing. Like to me, if you're spending more than five or six hours a month being a passive investor, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. But okay. So we went through a bunch of dead ends with the turnkey stuff. Where are you at now? Where is the incubator pointing to you? What's your next three month action plan? Yeah. So I think three month action plan is to come up with the market that I want. I guess in terms of finding a property, I think I'd like to find a property where I'm able to evaluate the property, give it my shot at analyzing whether it's a good investment and then hopefully making the actual purchase. So that was the the Pennsylvania or the York folks we connected you with, right? That's right. Yeah. I think right now it's just so competitive out there that you really don't have time to analyze. And yeah, you kind of just have to go with it. And then if there's anything during the inspection, then you would, you'd be able to back up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's always been like that. And I think it will always be like that if you're going with turnkey providers that are legit. And this is what makes turnkey providers so hard because 
if somebody's a good house flipper, turnkey provider, they eventually stop doing rental properties for landlords, the rental grade, because landlord grade stuff is lower scope. It's usually only fifty to hundred thousand dollars scope. It's easy for them. So that's where a lot of rookies start. As they get better, they graduate to more higher end properties because that's where the profit margins are. It's not like a cheapskate investor like us who's only going to pay 1% rent to value ratio. They can sell it to some emotional buyer and get that nice pop. So the fact that they're turnkey providers, it's either they're newbies or they have, they're really good at marketing and now they upcharge the price of the homes to unsophisticated turnkey buyers. So that's just how it is. And it's a little unfortunate because I try and keep one foot in that world and it's hard for me to keep up because the people who are good, they graduate out of it. It's like college basketball. I don't know anybody in college basketball because all the good ones leave. So York, Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where they're close to you, but are you going to go with that one or are you going to just pick a different market? Yeah, I think I'm at the point now where I, I think I just need to pick a different market. Okay. Because we had people in the incubator. I know they're in Cincinnati, Cleveland. I got folks in Jacksonville, Dallas, Texas. You're not going to cash flow out there. Huntsville, I don't think there's turnkey out there. I got you covered in Birmingham, Centerpoint, Memphis. I think Memphis is all overplayed. I don't really like Memphis personally, but if you, hey, it's up to you, right? But I would listen to me because it's all relationships, right? Atlanta, Georgia, you can't cash flow there anymore. I'm not too connected in the Carolinas, so I can't help you out there. But maybe in the incubator, somebody else can. Houston, you're not going to be able to cash flow for single family there. Chicago, I would not go anywhere near Illinois. Detroit, I would actually recommend Detroit and Gary, Indiana. If you like Chicago, go to Gary, Indiana. Kansas City, Missouri is getting a little expensive. Indianapolis, I think a lot of unsophisticated turnkey buyers have been going there for the last several years. So if you like Chicago or Indy, go to Gary, Indiana. It's like the place that people aren't flocking to. And that's what's making this hard, right? Like every few months that go by, there's another wave of unsophisticated uh, working stiffs trying to get out of Wall Street into their first alternative asset, which is typically a turnkey rental. So it ain't going to get any easier. Competition is not going to be going down. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think my next step, going back to your original question line of the next three months, I feel like it's just a reconnect with some people in the incubator just to see what specifically why they chose their market and maybe maybe i'd be able to get a property out there too yeah why recreate the wheel just use the property manager just use the broker <laughs> just people are nice so she wants yeah. you to join up people help out their own it's like a sorority fraternity in a way <laughs> it's like a cult actually everybody wears the same bath slippers but i uh, got these really neat rules of thumb on median household income and stuff right here. But okay, so going back to your personal financial sheet, I wanted to just point out a few things. So student loans, you don't have student loans. Okay, good. What are you doing for your Roth 401k, your retirement stuff that everybody says you should be doing? What's going on there? So I, I put some into it for my first few years, but I'm only putting what I guess uh, my company's matching. Okay. Like 6% or something like that. Right. Okay. And then, yeah, my Roth IRA, I am maxing that out at 6.5 per, per year. But I think I was really struggling with this whole real estate thing because I know you talk about it all the time, Lane, about don't 
put it in your IRA. Like you could just put it in like a real asset. So, so yeah, I'm hoping that once I get this whole ball rolling with um, real estate, I'm able to over the next few years, just start moving things over to hard assets. Yeah. And it's not like you don't have liquidity, right? You don't have to pull the goalie to buy your first rental. You don't have to pull your retirement, your Roth to buy that first rental. You're making good money. You're making the hard right decisions to live with your parents. <laughs> I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but I think that's the stuff that's going to set you up. If you can do that for a few years, pick up a couple of rentals, you'll be off your way. And then you quote unquote, pull the goalie, stop doing that retirement stuff where to me, it doesn't make sense. Uh, where's your AGI right now for it was this year, last year, like just under hundred or. Yeah. Around then. Okay. So the cool thing when you're under a hundred grand is they allow you to take up to $25,000 of passive losses to lower this down to from a hundred down to 75. So I did this for a couple of years, a few years back when you can use the passive losses to lower it. Once you go over 150,000, it's it gone. From 100 to 150,000, you're phased out completely. Mm-hmm. But this would be, you can't, when you go into a rental property on that like $100,000 rental property, the depreciation is not gonna be that great. 127th of the building value is probably only equate to like a thousand or a few thousand dollars a year. But this is where like a syndication deal comes in right if you invested 40 50 grand to pick up twenty five thousand dollars of passive losses you could use that in that same year to lower your agi from 100 to 75 so Mm. that would be low-hanging fruit for you if you wanted to do like a syndication yeah for those of you guys who are above 200 dollars agi or above 150 that doesn't apply to you guys you guys have first world problems but for those folks who are just starting out under a hundred thousand dollar AGI, that is low hanging fruit to do for sure. But uh, yeah, any other questions or any other? No, I guess the last tips of like how to get this ball rolling. Later. Dude, I think for you, it's just mindset and I'm not really good at this stuff. I think you got to find ways to get yourself moving forward. And I think for you, it's just like, all right, I need to make a goal to buying a property in the next month. And being like, all right, you already know how to analyze it, right? If people want to get my analyzer, it's at simplepassivecashflow.com slash analyzer. It's free for everybody. You guys can underwrite your own properties. You're an incubator student. So once you put it in there, just put it in the group, send it to me for that final approval. And yeah, put in the offer and move through the due diligence process, get an inspector and let's get going. Don't let it hang you up. Like, I think we want to push you forward and give you the confidence that you're not making a stupid mistake. But I think you just can't do what you've been doing for the last six months. You got to keep buying and then also be mindful of how much time you're spending on this thing, right? I guess it is goal setting season this time of year, but there's one thing I picked up where if you have a goal, right? I don't know, lose 10 pounds or buy five properties or whatever. Now think, just simulate in your head, like, all right, I have to do this thing in the next 30 days. You're like, oh, oh, what do I do? And maybe it's not realistic, but it helps you be like, all right, I got to do this. What would I do? What would I have to give up? What's what I have to you know, stop doing to make this goal come true, to really make it happen? Maybe not 30 days, but seven days or three days. If I had to lose 10 pounds in 
five days, what would I do? Maybe that's not healthy or safe, but what would you do, right? Now it starts to make things very clear and focused and all this other extraneous stuff just disappears. And I think that might be a good exercise for you to try out, right? I tell you, so I have to buy a property in the next two weeks. First mm -hmm. thing that should happen is you get a little twinge up your spine. You're like, oh crap. And that's good. And then you notice, just observe what are the things that you were doing and that you think you would be doing that just go away. Cause I don't have time. I have to buy a property in the next two, I have to put an offer in the next two weeks and just take note of that because those are the things that you should stop doing. Got it. And then, yeah, use the peer pressure on your side, find a couple people that you can stay accountable to, but maybe you've done that. Maybe it's not working for you. Yeah. You know? yeah there were a few people who volunteered to be my peer pressure person from the incubator group. Yeah. And how did you follow through or how did that go? Yeah, no, I think the bi-weekly calls really help out, but like we just chat like messenger and all of that stuff. Just having to give updates is helpful. Okay. Yeah. But maybe at the end of the day, maybe buying rental property isn't your thing, right? Maybe it's just being a straight LP passive, right? Yeah. I used to think a long time ago that everybody could buy a turnkey rental and I was like, yeah, it's a turnkey rental. Here's one page document, figure it out. Turnkey. It's called turnkey for a reason. A monkey can do this. And then a couple of years went by and I started to realize, yeah, this is something not everybody can do. Not everybody can call a property manager to build a relationship with. Not everybody can work with a broker. Not anybody can. I think the, the first layer is like, who do you talk to? Cause it's just a random people. You can't go on Yelp or some random internet site to figure out who you're working with. You have to build relationships with other people who've done it before to get their referrals. And that requires a little bit of like relationship jinjitsu. Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize, yeah, most people cannot do this. Financial independence is not for everybody. And <laughs> buying turnkeys is a lot harder than doing syndication deals as a passive. And I started to, I was like, I was trying to get my wife to do this. And I was like, she's not an idiot, but I was just like observing. And I was like, yeah, there's no way she's going to do this. She just doesn't have that, the want or the aptitude, or she doesn't care to. And I realized, yeah, this buying a turnkey is not as simple as it sounds, nor is it that great in my opinion too, but that's where kind of the roads lead to eventually being a passive investor in many deals for diversification and scalability. So why not just go there automatically? But I like mm -hmm. to see most investors get their feet wet with single family homes to learn the business a little bit and get used to the ups and downs, but maybe it's just not for you. And, and that's why I'm like, it's exciting to see you progress in your career because that maybe that's your thing. Right. And yeah, it ultimately comes down to what's your highest and best use. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice having you in the incubator. And I don't know when the next time we'll be launching it. Probably, probably we do a one or two classes per year. But yeah, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator to learn more about that or check out the free turnkey guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you guys next time. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk.
The content found here is just my opinion, and things change, and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself, because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.